We are so excited about this week's message. Every year we have what is called Vision Conference, and we're never disappointed. God always handpicks the speakers, and you're getting ready to hear a message that has just been downloaded through a wonderful woman of God named Jen Trangel. I met her a couple years back, oh, five, six, seven now. Every time I listen to the word God gives her, it just penetrates right to the heart, makes me think about uh, where God has me, where God's taken me, and what God's put in me to move forward into the future of everything that God has for me. So today is just going to be an amazing message. So get your, pa- your paper, your pen out, because world changers are note takers. And enjoy the message from Jen Trangel. Those of you that don't know Jen Tringell, let me tell you, the Spirit of God just speaks through her. In fact, I reminded her that she spoke a word and said that God was going to bring deeds and building spaces um, and leases into, uh, yeah, say it again. Buildings and assets and deeds, because we would know what to do with them. Thank you for helping me. And, uh, and when, when this warehouse opportunity opened up, I remembered that word. I didn't remember it exactly the way she said it, but I remembered the general, the general idea was, wow, that God is bringing it into our hands. And so to me, the proof of a prophet is in the result. Does it happen? Does what they say come to pass? So would you welcome with me this morning our good friend, Jen Trangel. Thank you so much. You can be seated this morning. Um, What an honor it is to be here this morning. And um, I just want to echo the words that have been spoken about the worship in this house. It is so precious. And I mean, even if I could an instrument or sing, I would show up to the worship team interest lunch just so I, are you going to practice? Okay, I'm coming. Um, just so remarkable and awesome. Um, it's not every day that you get to get up and minister. First of all, back in Springdale, Arkansas, hello. And you won yesterday. Everybody was really happy around town about that. Um, on a beautiful fall morning, but to stand and minister after an incredible voice coming from an incredible woman of God like Kathy Tricoli is such a gift and an honor. And um, some of you may uh, follow, I I think we talked about it when I was here last time about the podcast that I started and it kind of has taken on a life of its own. And and, um, when we started it, we release it once a month, a guest interview and then a single podcast and I have guests on. And for just really quite a few years, I kept thinking, you know who I'd love to have on is uh, Kathy Tricoli. I knew her music. I knew Stubborn Love. I knew Go Light Your World. I knew all the ones in between. But then she's also a prolific author. She was on the Women of Faith Arena tours. And and, and so I, I knew of the depth that she walked in in God. And, um, and it was so funny. How many of you know that timing is everything? Oh, yeah. 
And it's really a tool that God uses very specifically. You can have a God thing in, in, outside of its timing and still miss it. And so every time I would think about that and I would go to say to my staff, you know, I really, let's see if we, let's just see if we could get Kathy Tricoli on the Gentry and Gale podcast. Let's lie to her and say it's the Joyce Meyer podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But do you know, every time it would come up, I would just sense coming up in my heart, just sort of this voice of wisdom that would say, no, it's not time yet. I thought, well, how strange is that? I mean, it's a shot in the dark anyway. I mean, time out, I'm three or four times over a two-year period, this would happen. And I think, well, okay, you know. And so one day I was home in Nashville. I was out running errands. I still remember I was sitting at a traffic light. And I don't know if one of your songs came on or what. And I thought, man, Kathy Tricoli, I would just love to have a conversation with that woman that's walked with God all these years. And do you know, it came up in my heart, Pastor, and, and this is what I heard. Now's the time. Send the email. And, uh, and so we did it. It took some time to get it together because she's uber important and we couldn't get to her and she was out hobnobbing with the best of the best. She's so mad at me right now for saying all this, but no, she so graciously said yes. And I, some of you may have heard it, but it was such a rich in-depth conversation, the things that she shared um, and there was just a connection. And I, I, I'm saying all that to honor her, but also to say just how the Lord times things in our lives. That from that time on, that connection grew into such a friendship. She has spoken such powerful truths into my life. I've gotten to watch her life. And, and I'm always reminded, and I was thinking of it as you were singing this morning. There's a scripture in the book of Judges that is from the song of Deborah. And it's the song of Deborah. And Deborah said this, but before I, a mother in Israel, or a spiritual voice, you could say, a voice who's been there, done that, has got some wisdom, who knows some things in God. Until I, a mother in Israel, arose, it says that the high roads were abandoned and people were taking the long way around. And when I got to spend some time with Kathy and over the course of our relationship, and I, and I think of this with voices God puts in our lives, when we have those seasoned voices in our lives, it keeps us from taking the low road in life. Do you hear what I'm saying? It keeps us on the high road, and I love this, and it keeps you from taking the long way around. How many of you know I'd rather learn from somebody's wisdom and experience than learn the hard way and go the long way around? And uh, every time I'm around uh, just her personally and her ministry, I think that. So thank you. Thank you for being so sweet to drive your friend to Arkansas. I think it's because she knows my driving isn't very good. And, um, and what a gift and an honor to uh, receive that today. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning? God has some things to speak to us today, and I am, I am convinced of that. I'm very pointed in my heart this morning. And uh, Kara, who is with me, everybody say hello to Kara. Kara, stand and let him see your pretty, beautiful face. Kara's... Um, such a precious gift. She's been on staff with me for 80 years. She's 94 years old. She just looks young. 
And, um, but I, I, I said, Kara, my heart is so stirred about this morning. Remind me about when I was here last time. And because it was coming back to me that again, when I was here, the Lord just really specifically gave me a direction. And so it was interesting last night in the hotel, you know, just driving all day, you're just tired. And middle of the night, I woke up and I woke up and the Lord started speaking to me. And he started speaking to me about your pastors, about this church, about you and where God's taking us. And so I want us to pray over this word this morning, but Zach, I love the words that you shared and and pastor about the whole point being him. God is moving us into something new, even in the midst of this very chaotic time. And I believe he has words that are going to paint the picture for us this morning of the process we're in and where he's taking us. And I I don't pretend to know your life or know exactly where you're walking, but I know that every single one of us came in this morning going, God, I need some answers to some things. And I believe that this is an appointed time in God's date book, not because I particularly have those answers, but because God is going to speak some things. He's going to put some things on the inside of you. He's going to paint the picture. He's going to make it clear. And I don't know how he's going to do it in the three and a half hours they told me I could preach this morning, but I just know I didn't wear the shoes for it. So it's not going down, but I know he's going to do it. So could we just get an agreement and just go before the Lord and just say, God, you know what? Everything you have, I'm ready for it. Can we do that? So, Father, we do. We just thank you so much for your preciousness that's here, your presence that's here. Jesus, you have been magnified and honored since we gathered here this morning, and we continue to do that. Holy Spirit, we ask you to take the preeminent place. And speak to our hearts this morning. Father, I thank you for the purpose for this house for such a time as this. I thank you, God, for directing the steps of each person that is gathered here this morning. And God, we pray once again, you know what lies before us. And yet, Lord, we are yours to command. Lord, we didn't just come for good words or entertaining words. We came for your words, for we know they are containers of power that bring life. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and invade the privacy of our heart to do what only you can do this morning. And we give you permission, sir, if necessary, to rearrange the landscape of our lives, to put us in position for all that you have for us for this time that we are right now standing in. And God, we thank you for it. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and we will take you at your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you would go ahead and uh, open up to the book of Ephesians chapter two. And while you're turning there, I want to just make this statement. And I, I think it'll be easy for all of us to be in agreement on this, that we are not living in a normal time. Hello. 
We are living in a, a, you could call it a chaotic time in the natural, a volatile time. It's almost like you turn on the news anymore to just go, what crazy thing is happening now? And uh, I know just over the course of the last few months, I've had conversations with, with Kathy about this and, and some seasoned men and women of God in my life. It, many, if I said their names, you would know who they are. And I've been pointed to ask them a question. And I've just said, you know, in your lifetime, have you ever encountered a time like we're living in right now? And across the board, I mean, really, without hesitation, each one of them have been quick to say, honestly, I have never seen a moment like we are living in today. And most went on to say, Jen, I don't believe there's ever really been a time in the earth like there is right now. But how many of you know, you know, as men and women of God, we can see that even in the middle of the volatility and the chaos that God is doing what he's always done. He's sending his word right into the middle of it to be a light to our feet, a lamp unto our path. He's still speaking and he's showing us the way forward. He's sending his voice above the noise of the crowd saying, listen to me, eyes on me. Here's the way, walk in it. And sometimes you have to fight to clear out the space to hear his voice above the crowd. But if we'll do it, he is showing us the way forward. And I believe that heaven has some things to speak to us about exactly what he is doing even in the midst of this chaotic, crazy time. And I believe with all my heart that we are living in a time, what I am defining as a time of the great revealing. How many of you know that when things are being revealed, it reveals everything, right? The good, come on, the bad and the ugly. I have discovered that in this revealing time that I believe is coming out of heaven right now, that that process seems to work in the reverse. It seems like the revealing kind of starts with the ugly. And we don't like to look at the ugly stuff because the ugly isn't fun, doesn't make us look good, it isn't real pretty, but God's hand of revealing is going, church, listen to me, if you'll let me show you some of the things that aren't working, some of the religious thinking that's crept in that you think sounds right, but it's not me. If you'll let me deal with the ugly, the attitudes and the cycles of behavior, if you'll, if you'll come into a place, the listening room of my spirit with me and put the ugly out on front street, so to speak, then we can get past the ugly and deal with where the ugly's coming from, deal with the root of that thing. And that's the bad. And he goes, listen, don't run and hide it from me like Adam and Eve in the garden when they felt exposed. He's saying, don't run from me, run to me because I've told you my grace is sufficient. And if you'll let me do this revealing work and deal with the ugly so we can get to the bad, my grace that is more than enough will come in and give you the ability to change and bring you into the good. You see, when I say that we're living in a time of revealing right now, and and by the way, I believe this is absolutely what's happening here even in, in this house, I believe that we're 
we're in a time of revealing because it's the great revealing of who we really are. It's who we really are. Church, there is a contending right now in our culture for identity like we have never seen before. And there is an all-out war to paint and define us as anything other than who God said that we are and who he made us to be. It's trying to throw our culture into such chaos that everything is up for definition again. But how many of you know that the only one that gets to define what something is or isn't is the one that created it in the first place? I mean, listen, I can stand up here all day and, you know, hold up my iPad and tell you it's a vacuum cleaner. But, but... I can't just, why? I didn't make the iPad. Man, I wish I did, Zach. I'd be sitting so good. I'd be like, everybody's getting free iPads today, okay? (laughs) Zach's like, I'm believing for that. Why? I didn't create it. I don't get to just stand. It doesn't matter how loud I shout it, how vicious I get about it. I didn't create this thing. I don't get to say what it is. But now if I created this thing, if I say it's a vacuum cleaner, honey, it's a vacuum cleaner. God's the only one that gets to define what we are. And so I want you to hear this with the eyes of your spirit. God is saying, I'm wooing you, church, into a time of the great revealing because you think you know who you are. But what I'm saying is I'm the one that made you and called you. I know the fullness of who I intended you to be, and I'm not finished with you yet. Vision Church, is amazing as you are, I mean, plan a church in Springdale, Arkansas, and then here you go, and then 2020 hits, and then 2021 hits, and everybody's scrambling for what it's supposed to look like, and the word of the Lord comes to your pastors and says, eyes on me, I'm the only one that gets to define what Vision Church is, why? Because I'm the one that mandated and called for this church to be for such a time as this in the first place. I'm the only one that holds the owner's manual on this church, on who you are. Listen, do you really think that all that God called you to do is already, already written in all your prayer journals and up on your vision boards at home? Come on, could it really be that God's going... I've actually been growing you and maturing you, and maybe you've been walking with me for 10, 15, 20 years, but there's some things that are time-stamped that I've put on the inside of you to be, and I couldn't talk to you about them last year. It wasn't time yet, but now I'm about to reveal another piece, another facet, another color of the fullness of who I've made you to be. Vision Church, you can't get comfortable. I'm still revealing who I've made you to be. Eyes on me, church. Eyes on me. There's more to this thing. How many of you know all throughout the word of God, we see God called men and women to build things and they started building even when they didn't know what they were building. How are you Noah building an ark when nobody's ever seen an ark before? This is the kind of time we're living in. This is the time like of Abraham where he says, I want you to pack it up and go live in a place that you know not of. 
Well, as soon as you pack up the family and say we're leaving, you got to take one step in one direction. And as soon as you pick a direction, you're committed. How do you know if the place that you know not is north, south, east, or west? Notice I didn't point those directions because I don't know what they are at any given point. Am I the only one that hates when you go, do you know how to get to Target? And they're like, go west on, just stop right there. You're speaking Chinese. I have no idea what that means. But think about it. Abraham and and his family packed up, go to a place you know not of. A place whose builder and maker is God. Well, as soon as you step north, you're committed north. How do you go? How do you build an ark when you've never seen one? How do you come into the fullness of who you are when you don't totally know what it looks like yet? Church, we're doing it the same way men and women of God have always done it. You follow the cloud. You follow the presence of God. And I'll just be honest with you, even in this time that we're in, I've been walking, I believe God's starting with his leaders, his ministry gifts. I've been walking out this thing with God going, you know, God, I've got, I mean, it's laughable to say this with men and women of God on the road, like your pastors and 40 years of ministry, 23 years in ministry. You know, Lord, I, I think I have a pretty good handle on what you've called me to do. And then I realized, that we're just all getting started. He's got so much more. And, and in this time of God going, this is the time of revealing the big reveal of who I've made you to be. Do you know, it's drawn me, church, back to the life of David. And I love looking at the life of David because, first of all, he wasn't perfect. And that is a great relief to me. But there is this incredible pattern of revealing through the life of this man that everybody thought was the low guy on the totem pole that everyone counted out as unimportant. But the thing about David is he never let himself get put in a box. He never let himself get pegged is one thing. Now I want you to just travel with me as I paint the picture of David's life. You probably feel like maybe you know the story, but I want you to walk with me through the life of David. And I want you to think about your own life right now. We see David, he starts out, he's the youngest in the family, you know, and he gets the low job on the totem pole. They send him out to the back 40 on the family ranch, you know, and your job is to tend sheep. And everybody knows that's David's job. And so David gets pegged as sheep herding outdoors guy. We know who David is. David's outdoors guy. David rather would be with animals than sheep. He's a man's man. He sleep, he camps out, you know, he's like Bear Grylls. He's out there surviving. And we know who you are, David. You're a man's man. You're outdoors guy. You're tend the sheep guy. But then all of a sudden we see throughout scripture, this new color, this new facet of David emerge. And all of a sudden we see that David is a songwriter. He's a musician. He's a poet. Can you imagine everybody going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can't be a deep, touchy-feely, poet, songwriting guy. You're a man's man, outdoors guy. We already know who you are. And David's like, yeah, I know, but I mean, I'm out here just getting to know who I am 
being with God. And, and I've got this facet in me where I'm just compelled to write songs and, and to learn this, this instrumentation. And, and let's just not remember, it wasn't just that he wasn't a half-bad musician. David was so skilled on those instruments that when he played, it soothed the souls in the torment of broken people. So then maybe everybody expands a little. David certainly did. He goes, I'm not just outdoors guy. I'm not just better with animals than I am with people. I've got this thing in me to, to emote and to write songs and to me, communicate and to minister to the souls of people and, and to be a prolific writer. And everybody goes, well, okay, he's got these two sides. The next thing we see of David, David steps in as this warrior and this military commander. And he was no joke as a warrior and a military commander. I mean, he was so skilled. He was like a patent because the Bible tells us that it was David and his mighty men, like the 50 most stone-cold warriors of the time, pledged their loyalty, their lives and their families and say, where you go, we go. Your battle is our battle. We will fight with you to the death. Now, all of a sudden, we see David step in to this very warrior-like military commanding. Everybody's going, I thought you were touchy-feely songwriter guy. But do you see the revealing work of heaven that David stayed in, that he was never bound by age? He was never bound by what other people thought of him. He wasn't bound by the roles everyone knew him to take. It had to be because he followed the cloud. He lived in the cloud and he was constantly letting the the hand of God paint the picture on the inside of him going this, listen to me, David, eyes on me. Church, grab onto this with me, with the spirit of God. Eyes on me, man of God. Eyes on me, woman of God. You've known what it's looked like, who you've been in past seasons, but I'm not done revealing the fullness of who you are. Eyes on me. Look at me because I'm about to reveal another facet in a place out of the depth of who I've been calling you to grow up into that's about to be revealed in you and nobody's going to see it coming. But I need you to make room for it. And it's probably not going to come how the books tell you it's going to come. And it's not going to come because you're self-absorbed and self-possessed. It's going to be because you got lost in the presence of Jesus. And when you looked at him, he opened up the fullness of you. I want you to look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. I know you know I, you, I forgot, but... Did I tell you what verse in Ephesians? People, you're just going to have to get it by the Holy Ghost, okay? I can't tell you everything. (laughs) Thank you for laughing at that pitiful joke. Sometimes I tell it just because I think it's funny. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10. Paul said this this way. For we are whose workmanship? I don't see self-made man in there, do you? I certainly don't hear a tone out of heaven going, figure it out. 
I don't hear the tone in there of, well, you know how it is. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I grew up in Kentucky, I can say that. I don't hear the tone in there of, you know, well, this is, who, this is just who I am and how I... Come on, let's look at what the Word is saying about you and I with the greater one on the inside living with the third person of the Godhead on the inside of us. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that you and I should walk in them. We are his workmanship. It means, that word means something that God mandated to execute his purposes. We are God's execution in the earth. When we say things, when we pray things, church, like, oh God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in Do you understand? This is not just a cliche phrase in heaven. God takes that very seriously. God actually believes that, that Springdale, Arkansas, and this region is his. He believes the businesses are his, the schools are his. He believes this community is his. And he has actual blueprints and plans for how he wants to take the kingdoms of Springdale, Arkansas, and make it the kingdom of our God. He's so audacious. He actually believes all this is. Doesn't the Bible tell us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? And so when we look at his blueprints, he's not just going to drop that out of heaven and all of a sudden we all turn on the news and go, what did you see what God sent to planet earth? When you look into those plans, your names are written in it. Church, I want to just remind you this morning that there is no backup body of Christ. We're it. I I mean, it, it can sound, you know, funny, but it's not like heaven's going, well, if this crew sits this one out, at least we got the backup. We're it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You could say, God, how in the world could you choose such a chaotic time to reveal the fullness of who we are? I would think, Lord, that you would wait for things to calm down. I want to just remind us of something. God doesn't need the chaos to pass in order for him to work. He works right in the middle of it. He doesn't need the storm to pass. He doesn't need perfect conditions. In fact, when we look at the word of God, he actually kind of really relishes, so to speak, moving right into a chaotic situation. In fact, if you look at the historical time that Jesus stepped into his ministry, do you know that it was one of the most chaotic volatile cultural times. There was such a war going on and it wasn't just in the culture of the world. It was in the churches of the time. There were actually camps of believers of churches warring against other churches. There was so much volatility and that's the time that God chose to send his son into the world and launch his ministry. 
And he didn't need Jesus to wait until everything settled down. He sent Jesus right into the storm of chaos of the culture to go right into the middle of it and be a revolutionary. And that's what God is calling you and I to in this time of revealing. This is really interesting, but did you know that over the last 40 years, the most incredible archaeological discoveries that have been made in the last 40 years have everyone come on the heels of the greatest storms. Do you know why? Those storms come in and they pick up thousands of tons of sand and soil and debris and everything that's got piled on what was there but hidden all the while, picks it up, moves it like it was nothing, and reveals it. I'm saying that even in the middle of this volatile time where we could feel ourselves just prone to pray prayers like, oh God, just let things calm down. Oh God, just let, just let the political thing calm down. God, just we just need this to calm down so that we can just get back to you. And God's going, I don't need it to calm down. See, I'm a master at using storms to pick up things, get them out of the way, and reveal. In fact, just this past year, there was um, this incredible discovery happened. There's been this group of some of the most elite archaeologists and scientists of our generation that have been on the search for years for this lost Roman city. It was called Neapolis. And it's just been like a mystery because there was like, no sign left of it. And it was a major Roman city. It was a major political city. It was a flourishing economical city. And all these other places, they find the ruins, no sign of it. And so for years, they've kind of used uh, satellites and looked at geography and said, well, we think it might be there. And they would literally move in. I mean, they've spent millions of dollars searching for this city. They'd move in this massive equipment. They'd move into this geographical location, up camp and for months just do this dig only to come up empty-handed. They had done this two or three times and just come up with nothing. And all of a sudden this past year, this massive storm hit off the coast of Tunisia in West Africa. And when the storm settled, it had removed thousands of tons of sand off the coast. It had actually shifted the nation's coastline. And when the storm had passed, it revealed there in the sand the steps leading into the port of the lost city of Neapolis. I'm saying what these people couldn't accomplish with their expertise and satellites and millions of dollars of money spent happened in a matter of minutes on the heels of this massive storm. How many of you know we are living in a time of revealing right now? I want you to listen to this quote. This was a quote that came from Archaeologist Magazine, which I know we all subscribe to. Zach reads it weekly. Listen, but listen to this quote. This is wild. This archaeologist went on record as saying this. Sometimes, they said, it is the dramatic changes in the environment that lead to the most electrifying discoveries. Sometimes it is the most dramatic changes in the environment that lead 
to the most electrifying discoveries. Church, listen to me this morning. I know that the last year, two years, has not been a walk in the park on our flesh. We have teachers. I'm in conversation with so many in the education system. I mean, the shifting and the changes that they've had to walk out trying to get kids through a time. We have children coming back to school that have never been in a classroom before. And these teachers are trying to navigate this. Our political system, I've got a a program. We do some leadership training. Uh, We've got people that over uh, up in Boston and the East Coast, uh, called of God, spirit-filled men and women of God, involved in the political system there going, Jen, I've never, the warfare is so intense. I've never seen anything like it. But I'm saying that in the middle of all of this chaos, God is going, but I'm revealing some things. And if you'll let me pull you into the listening room of my spirit and do this revealing work with you, then I can send you like I sent my son Jesus into the haze of chaos to be a revolutionary. We heard it sung this morning. How many times have we heard, we're God, we're light. We're called to be salt and light. And we know that this, this nation, our world needs light, that we're supposed to be salt. Salt is supposed to be a dominating flavor. But how many of you know that when hard conditions, when volatile conditions hit, how many of you know that the thing you want to see on the road is the salt truck? Because salt is also a stabilizing force. Salt goes into everybody throwing their hands up in the air, throwing out their opinions, fighting, going, I don't know what we're going to do. A stabilizing force comes in and goes, look, look at me. We're going to make it. It's going to be okay. This isn't the time for my opinion, and I don't believe what you say, and this is my theory and no this is the time for look at me we're gonna make it how many of you know that makes you a revolutionary in a time like this right now to not just be lost in a sea of opinion but to just be a stabilizing force God's moving us into this I want you to turn and look at this scripture with me in the book of Psalms and and I'm gonna as they say begin to close with this it's interesting because the, the Lord woke me up, um, I don't even know what time it was, middle of the night, and, and you know those times when you're kind of half awake, half asleep, and you're, you're trying to not wake up all the way so you can slide right back in. How many of you know that that extra hour was a gift to Jen Tringale from the Lord this morning, but did we all benefit from it? You're welcome. Okay, I had nothing to do with it, but... Uh, and so I, I was, but immediately the, the spirit of God was just present there in, in my hotel room. And, uh, and he started talking to me about some things, but it was so interesting because I, as he was talking to me, I began to see this picture and I'm more of a visual person and maybe a lot of you are here, but, but this was more than just picturing what I felt like God was speaking to my heart. It was literally as if there was like a, a film of something in front of my eyes. I'm not saying it was like an open-eyed vision, but it was just that clear. And, and what I saw was like a, the fore, a, a human forearm, you know, from here to here. And I just, I saw this, this forearm there, and it was just an, a normal-looking forearm. And, 
And I heard that, that verse, that phrase come up in my spirit where you are weak, he is strong. And I saw the most interesting thing. It was then, it was like out of shot, out of camera, this larger, greater forearm was, was coming down. It was almost translucent, but there was enough definition to it that it was, it was almost like a, um, not like a, a, a Superman, but a strong, but almost like a, a strong grandfather-like arm almost translucent, and that greater forearm just came down over that human forearm, and the two just became one and swallowed it up. And I heard the Lord speak this phrase to me. He said, in this time where you are weak, I am strength. And this, this was so wild. I want you to look at this verse in Psalm 44, because he took me to this this morning. In verse three, it says, for they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arms save them. How did they get the land? What are you believing God for this morning? What is it that you, your heart is asking him to do? And maybe you haven't even gotten that far. Maybe like times in my life, you've allowed him to be present but unemployed in your life. What is it that you need him to handle that you've been trying to handle? They got not the land in possession by their own sword, their own abilities. Neither did their own arms save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance because you had a favor upon them. Church, God is asking us to partner with him to a depth and a level like we have not experienced before. And what is so interesting about this verse is it's not about us pulling on him for a strength where we're weak and it keeps us in a weakened state. In, in the kingdom of God, when he says, where you're weak, I'm strong, he asks for the invitation into our weakness, but then he brings his strength like that greater forearm coming down, and his strength becomes a piece of who you are, and now his strength is your strength, and you have it to walk in for all time. This is that piece where he says, remember, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is why my precious grandmother, I love to talk about, she lived for years and years as an alcoholic, three-generation alcoholic. 
One day she fell on her knees. She would tell the story in her bathroom and just said, God, I, I, I am so weak in this area, but God, if you'll come into this moment with me, I'll just give my life to you. She rededicated her life to the Lord. She would tell this story, his strength. She said it felt like something like warm honey hit her on the top of her head. She said, and it was like it slowly became, began to run down her head, down her face. And she said, when it got to my chest and it hit my heart, she said, it felt like liquid love. Wow. And it went down through her. And it changed her. And when she got up off that bathroom floor, off of her knees, she said, the, the desire... The, the addiction, the chain to that substance left me. And she said, I never dealt with it again another day in my life. The strength of heaven became her strength. And the two, and the two became one. Church, I believe heaven wants us to leave here this morning with this picture because in this time of revealing the ugly, the bad, the good, to come into the fullness of who we are. He's saying, you've pegged yourself as one thing and thought you're weak in the other, but I'm saying not so. Because I am asking you to let me come into these places and reveal who you are, and in doing so, I'm going to infuse my strength on the inside of you that's going to pull you to stand in the fullness of something nobody even knows you have the capability of being or doing. Think about the moment we know most of David when he faced Goliath. And he shows up on the front lines of this war and he hears the taunt, the chaos. And he says, what's going on? And they said, we have this giant and nobody knows how to, we have nothing to combat this. And David, maybe in his naivety, said, I'll go. I'll go. I don't know. Maybe thought, I got nothing to lose, you know. And so they take him to King Saul's tent. And I'm sure because he's a king at a military battle, all of his commanding generals were probably there in council with him. And they bring this young man, David, and they say, this young man wants to go fight this Goliath. And I would assume they probably all just tried to talk him out of it. And he must have just been in his youngness and bravado. Just They couldn't talk, and they thought, this kid's going to do it no matter what. We can't get rid of him. And so David's about to face an enemy that he's not equipped for, we could say he's trying to win a battle or take a land that he has no idea what he's doing. And so those military generals do what they knew to do. And they circled up around him. And it says that they began to put Saul's uh, equipment on him. Or we could say it this way. They circled around him and say, we're going to tell you our ways for winning. Now, we have fought battles before, David, and here's how you do it. You see this, David? This is a shield. 
and you put it on and it works like this. And this is a helmet. Now, David, listen to me. David, are you paying attention? This is a sword. Now, listen, this giant's going to come at you this way and he's bigger than you. So this is how that works. And they're, and they're going through all their proven ways of winning yesterday's battles. Only the problem is this battle is not that day. And David didn't know those ways for winning, which might have been his saving grace. His ignorance might have actually saved him. And somewhere in the process, and I don't know what this played out like, but I can just guess that David, you know, having a heart before God and having an honoring heart, somewhere in this process of them just loading all of this equipment on him, somewhere in there, he just stopped and said, Sir, with all due respect, I so honor and value every battle that you faced and everything you know about how you've gotten this far. But if I'm going to face this moment and be who I am, I can't do it with your old ways for winning. I have to get my directives from the Spirit of God. Because all David knew was out on the back 40 following the cloud. All David knew was heaven opening up pockets going, this is how you minister to a broken soul. All David knew was going, I'm not, this isn't the fullness of who I am. There's all kinds of colors to me. I serve a multifaceted, colorful God. There's no way he just made me one-dimensional or two-dimensional. God, what do you have for me next? I'm not going to get put in a box. And so he was ignorant in battle, but he was skilled in knowing his Savior. And he stood there in that moment, and he said, if I'm going to do this, i got to do this with I know how. I won't paint the rest of the story, but you and I both know he went out and he faced that giant with the equivalent of a child's toy of that day, a slingshot. He grabbed five rocks on his way and he went out there. And we know the story, you know, we've seen the veggie tales. (laughs) He picked up that rock. If you haven't, you should watch it. It's fabulous. He put that rock in that slingshot and and I, I know how it tells, you know, but I just want to submit to you this morning that I don't know that it was necessarily just a rock that took that giant out that day. You know what I think it was? I think it was change that took Goliath down that day because he never saw it coming. If David had come at him with a sword, it would have been laughable. Are you kidding me? I've been running a sword my whole life. I'm stronger than you. I'm more versatile. But he had nothing to combat a man of God coming out of the presence of God with the strategy of God. He never saw it coming. Church, whatever is confronting you, God has your way for winning, and it's probably not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Vision Church, God's called you to do extraordinary things in a very quick amount of time, and it's not going to come the way you think it's probably going to come. What does it say? For they got not the land in possession by their own ways for winning. Neither did their own arm save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance, because you favored them, that's how they got the territory that they were called to.
That's how they moved in and began to affect a place like Springdale, Arkansas. That's how all of a sudden they started seeing the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of their God. What I see is a greater place of dependence to come into the fullness of who God had called him to be. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And the sense that I have in my heart this morning is that God wants us all to take a really big step forward in this work of revealing that he is doing. Maybe some of you are here this morning going, man, I love God, but do you know I think I had settled on myself? I thought there, I knew all that there was written in the book for me. And God's going, I redeemed all the days of your life. If there's breath in your body, I still have revealing that I'm wanting to do on the inside of who you are. People have defined you as one thing, but God is inviting us to stand up and go, look, don't settle on me. There is more to me than meets the eye. Come on, God's called me to be more than this. And I just have this sense in my spirit That the blood of Jesus that's speaking for us in the throne room of heaven is going, I didn't settle. Please don't settle. Come on, I died to win many sons to glory for the fullness of you. Church, I don't want to stand before our Savior, our big brother, Jesus, our champion, when I get to heaven and say, well, God, I got into about 60% of who you made me to be, but then I just kind of settled in. You know, it it was a tough time. Don't hear me say something I'm not. There is grace for a place like this. And I don't know about you, but it's a daily dependence on that grace. But I'm just saying it isn't a grace to merely survive this moment. It's a grace to rise up above it and to affect the outcome of a time like this. God's placing a region in your hands. And it's not coming the ways everybody says it's going to come. And you have chosen to make the arm of the Lord your strength. I believe every one of us are a witness here. Your pastors, this precious family, they are actually skilled and talented enough. They could actually have success in their own strength. And we would go, wow. But the hand of God is upon their life. And they have decided to bury this thing in the presence of God. And see what he wants to bring to life through it. That's the kind of thing I want to be a part of. The river of God is moving through your church and everything the river touches lives. Everything the river touches lives. So Father, we just come before you this morning and we open our heart to you. And God, we say our eyes, our eyes are on you. Have your way.